Welcome to The Grange Point, where we hang out and talk about the latest news in science technology and how they relate to your everyday life. This podcast is brought to you by the Young Scientists of Australia. We're a youth organisation aged 15 to 25 whose work is to promote science to the youth of Australia. This week's episode, we have Justin and Lauren. This week, we talk about how the random walk can affect everything from ants navigating their way across dark space, but also people stumbling home at night, and even fibre optic cables. We also find out how to inevitably cool our planet by tuning our buildings to reflect. And now we launch into our Launchpad News segment. Justin, it's so hot these days. I mean, with summer coming up, everywhere is just hot and you go into any buildings and you expect it to be nice and cool, but not everywhere has air conditioning. And I just I just want a new way of cooling down. Like, and, that, and that's a really valid concern, Laura. Like, it is really difficult to try and stay cool. And as our planet gets warmer or more extreme in temperature, um, the summers will become hotter and the winters will become colder. And if you're a civil engineer or a scientist and you're trying to live through this, you might think about new ways to actually keep your buildings warm and cool at the right times. And we have this fantastic thing called insulation, which most of us hopefully will have in our house. And the purpose of insulation is to keep the house nice and cold in the summer and nice and warm in the winter. Uh, and by doing that, it, is act- it does that by having a big sandwich material that actually insulates the inside of the house, hence insulation, from the outside world. So any change in temperature outside actually takes a long time to permeate its way through the building and into the room inside, and vice versa. And that's great. That's helped us insulate our homes, keep ourselves warm, and survive for hundreds, thousands of years, even from our very first straw thatch huts back in the day, so to speak. So surely, Justin, we found a new cool 21st century way of doing that. I mean... And yeah, and that's right. Uh, engineers from Stanford University in America have actually come up with some fantastic new inventions which will involve coating the tops of buildings to keep them cool, even on sunny days, by covering them in amazingly powerful mirrors. Okay. Okay, so I, I know a little bit about mirrors. They, like, reflect light and things, right? How is that going to stop heat from getting in? <laughs> well, one of the most in- complicated and interesting parts about buildings is that a lot of them are terrible at not only trapping heat into the ground, but also reflecting heat into the built environment. Concrete is a killer at this, and it means that the average temperature inside cities is much higher than outside cities because the the concrete just radiates the heat out of instead of letting it getting absorbed safely into the ground. So sometimes reflection and radiation can be a bad thing, radiation of heat here specifically. Um, so designing a smarter building that reflects that heat in a good way will actually go a long way to helping us stay cooler. So what would you say reflecting heat in a good way would be? Well, Light, as you're probably aware, we only see a small fraction of it, the visible spectrum. But light is so much more than that. There's so much light that we can and can't see. And we call some of that uh, 
infrared spectrum of light as well. And I'm sure you've seen a movie at some point or a show which references night vision goggles or an infrared picture where they see that kind of, it's usually red and green and blue outlines of things and the white or yellowish things is where it's hot and the rest the cool colors are where it's, it's dark. And they use it to find people at nighttime. Um, that's done by looking at people's infrared radiation, uh, the heat that you give off um, visible in the infrared spectrum. And if you built a mirror, a mirror is fantastic at reflecting visible light, but it's not so great at reflecting infrared light, which can obviously be just as warming. It's a whole part of the warming process than the regular light is. Um, but most of our mirroring only deals with some of that light. So these, uni- these researchers, led by electrical engineering professor Shanao Fan, um, have actually looked into making this energy-saving breakthrough. And at, the, at its heart, what they've developed is a multi-layered material that deals with both visible light that we, talk, we can see, along with the invisible, such as infrared radiation. Um, and one of the things that, you know, infrared radiation is usually a slippery beast that can often pass through our walls quite easily, which means that uh, we, the heat can seep in, even though the visible light may not be making it through. And the whole premise around this fantastic invention, aside from having these nice layers that can reflect both types, is then to gather it, reflect it, not keep it on Earth, but bounce it off either into a solar collector or back into space. Space, really? Oh, yes. Um, Now, as we talked about before, the fact that the heat can get trapped in the cities by bouncing around and reflecting off all the concrete structures um, can lead to the temperature in cities rising much more than non-cities. And it's a huge part of the problem of urbanisation that is leading to some of the changes we are seeing in our climate. So what the Stanford team has come up with is this this photonic radiative cooling, right? So it's basically, it's got two two stages. They they call it a one-two punch. Um, So they can offload, uh, they can offload and reflect the materials when, uh, reflect the sunlight with their material uh, when uh, they don't want it to be hot. And they basically means that the building needs less cooling because if it's reflecting more light, even the visible and the invisible, means you need to spend less on trying to keep your building nice and cool. So that's that's fantastic. But um, the benefit would be also that they could target it, and this is where the second part of it comes in. Um, By using this reflection, they could actually transfer some of this heat back out of the Earth's atmosphere, which would mean it would have a general cooling effect on overall on the city. So not only are you preventing more light radiation warming up that specific building, you're also generally warming, generally cooling, sorry, the environment by getting rid of all that extra heat that's just hanging around. And by reflecting it in the form of infrared radiation, not visible light, it means that you don't have to worry about blinding everybody who is walking near your building and seeing your roof as a massive mirror. You can actually aim it very efficiently um, and and coat the building in such a way that it's a very focused but non-visible form of light, which means that the pilots themselves won't be blinded when they try and fly over Los Angeles, for example. So, Justin, you mentioned collecting some of the light? Well, that's right. If you if you were able to uh, uh, direct it, you could also actually use it together, together with photovoltaic cells to actually, oh, just solar panels, uh, to actually ga- gather and harness that light also for electricity. So you can either reflect it out, have the general cooling effect principle that we talked about, or actually harness it and build fantastic solar panels that also cool the building as well. 
So by taking the heat away from the building surface, again, in both forms of visible and infrared light, you're actually having a general cooling effect. You could either have the general cooling, specific cooling on the building and some power, or the specific cooling of the building and saving the general heat of the whole area. And that's that's a really fantastic idea because what you could do with this is you could actually get rid of heat out of the atmosphere passively. So you don't need to build a big vacuum cleaner to push all the heat out of the atmosphere somehow. You can actually just use it by coating our buildings with mirrors. And what is even more incredible about this, what they've developed, is that it, it's a coating that can be sprayed on to buildings' rooftops, which would make, uh, which means that you could actually have uh, this mirror-like coating without having to go to a large install cost. That's really, really cool. It is really, really cool, both for the building and also for the environment if they get it working. So this is some fantastic work being done by electrical engineers out of Stanford University. A drunken sailor staggers onto a square with a lot of street lamps on it. Sometimes he'll run into one of the lamps, change his direction and keep moving. Does the time he spends on this square depend on the number of street lamps? Well, the surprising answer, Lauren, is in fact no. And what we're talking about here is the drunken sailor random walk phenomenon, or a drunken walk. Um, and this is something that is, you know, a mathematical concept that sort of evolved into a physics and a study of chaos theory, and then a lot of crazy maths sort of all fell on top of each other. And the end result is a bit confusing. So what Lauren is getting at there is imagine we talked about this hypothetical square and there's a whole bunch of street lamps in it and our poor fellow is just trying to make his way home. Now, it would seem logical, you know, if there's more street lamps in his way. So instead of having one street lamp at the end of every end of street corner, there's a street lamp every metre, making for a very well-lit square and probably an expensive electricity bill. It doesn't actually take the sailor any longer to make his way through the square, even though there's more things for him to run into and change his direction, the street lamps. Uh, And this might seem like a really, really bizarre thing to be bothering about, but it's actually something that impacts everything from drunken sailors, people trying to make their way home, to ants trying to find their, their, their queen to make sure that they can reproduce the colony, or even to particles of, of light travelling their way through an imperfect medium like glass. So some researchers at the Vienna University of Technology um, have been looking at this universal phenomenon and seeing how it goes in the different systems. So actually running tests on people, on ants, on glass, to see if this universal property is actually very consistent in different applications or if the math theory starts to fall apart in reality. So how did they test this then? So the, the first thing they did to, to, to test this involved putting uh, waves, propagation waves, such as light, in turbid glass. And another one they did was uh, they, they put quantum particles moving as a quantum wave through materials. So they, they did a couple of different experiments with particles. They also simulated some quantum behavior. Um, and it's actually quite easy to test wave propagation of light through uh, a medium like glass quite easily. And with some good computers, you can actually simulate quantum particles as well. And what they did is they basically ran a bunch of models and on the computers, and they ran a bunch of physical tests in the glass and measured the results. And what they, what they found is that, that generally, um, 
they characterize transport phenomena. So something's ability to, to go through a medium or object as having a so-called mean free path, right? So, you know, what is the, what is the average shortest distance that it could travel before it, between it hits a next obstacle? And in a glass, that would be the distance between um, obs- obscurities or flaws in the glass or any crystalline structures that have managed to form inside it. And so obviously needing to know how long it will take you to get through that despite running into these potential things um, is a very important property to know. Uh, What they found, though, is that in the glass, um, they can actually calculate how much time the transmitted path and the reflected life will actually take inside the glass. Um, And what what that means is that the... When you when they looked at what the the time through the path was and the number of impurities in inside the glass, what they actually found is that you know it, with the same example of the drunken sailor, it doesn't take him any longer, even if there's more impurities, to actually make its way through the glass, um, which is something that seems counterintuitive, but actually uh, is backed up by the physical laws that they actually found in the results. So, what does this mean then? Like, what can this be used for? Yeah. So. Because it seems counterintuitive that this guy is running into more obstacles but actually getting through at the same length of time as if there was no obstacles and it was just randomly stumbling around, it's because, like, the two effects cancel out each other, right? So they run into an obstacle, but they also they dwell for less time in these crazy states. And what that actually tells us is the way we can actually get things to pass through um, things and understand the be- transport better. So transport of electricity, transport of light, uh, transport of a whole number of things is actually really useful for telecommunications uh, and that enables us to build faster and more predictable uh, telecommunications equipment, which benefits us all, especially people listening to podcasts over the internet. Um, but I, I do like how after doing all this fancy stuff, they're like, ants, no, let's, 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 let's test this with ants because nothing can go wrong with ants. So they, they uh, took a bunch of ants and um, they... watch them traverse across a large area, which is also another type of random walk. Um, And it will traverse a smaller, with a small, uh, an area with a smaller number of steps, right? So a big ant, right? So take a huge ant. It will use a smaller number of steps to traverse the area. And a a small ant will change its direction more often, but regardless of its size, so whether you get a big ant or a small ant, one with crazy long legs or that moves really fast or one with short legs that moves really slowly, but is really huge, they will take the same amount of time to traverse the area, which is uh, which seems odd, but it's the nature of a random walk. And from this, we can learn a lot more about the way in which light or information can perverse a media, which can help us with solar panels, we can help us with telecommunications, and help us even to understand the journeys of some small but very lost ants. Does that mean I shouldn't bet on the big ants when I am gambling? No, unless you have ones with stilts on, as we have alluded to previous <laughs> podcasts, because that will mess up the ants' perception of their distance travelled and cause them to get even more lost. This has been the Young Scientists of Australia's podcast, LaGrange Point. This week we learned how random walks can help us improve our telecommunications networks and teach us a thing or two about ants. We also found out ways to inevitably cool our planet by reflecting both light and infrared light away from our buildings. Our ending theme was composed by Audio Head to ysa.org.au for more information about the Young Scientists of Australia.